Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Okay, my microphone's on. It's a little bit earlier than usual this week. Welcome to the legendary Marcinho episode 23 of the Brisbane Football Review. It's a special Monday recording session this week. I'm your host, James Coglin, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Owen. And just back from a North American sojourn is Adam Pates, who has just cleared customs. Welcome back, Adam. How was the official with the rubber glove? <laughs> yeah, oh, geez. They, those TSA officers are a worry. They, they, they got my wife, so I, I bought them, but yeah, no. So. Is she actually in the country now, or did you leave her behind? I don't know. She got back, but uh, <laughs> no, they, they literally left their mark. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I'm not sure where to go yeah. with that. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. <laughs> Legendary Marcinho, though. Are you sure about that? Well, he had like three or four good passes. He missed from two yards in a preliminary final in the first five minutes. Haven't we all done that? <laughs> all right, so yes, we are recording on a Monday this week because there's no rule game to talk about coming up this weekend. So we thought, let's get this over and done with and give ourselves a few days off and follow the lead of the club, I think. Absolutely. All right, let's get into segment one, the A-League review of the Raw's 3-1 win over the Newcastle Jets. Scott, what do you think of the game? I thought it was a, the reaction that was needed after the All-Sign game. We needed a, a win, basically. It didn't matter how we got the win. And we got the win in, well, somewhat controversial circumstances given refereeing decisions but we got the win and I thought we were well worth it in the second half Adam look it's hard for me personally obviously you know being being overseas it's hard to know sort of how bad you know bar than for what I've read about you know the previous weeks that lost to Wellington lost to Ulsan but I think by sounds but you know, it was a reactionary win and I think it's it's confidence now and they can actually now go into a break with at least with some confidence with the rest of the season coming up yeah, it does feel like it was a result that was needed, and you could kind of tell they were rallying themselves after, what was it, 10 games in 35 days. There was a lot more, I suppose, almost fire in the team. Maybe it was from bringing in a few players that were a little bit fresh, having been rested against Ulsan and whatnot. Possibly. I mean, obviously, Papadopoulos came in, we'll get to him in a minute, but I think the team did look a little bit sharper. It was a five-day break between games, which is... For them, it's a luxury. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic, really, given that it's been 72, days between, 72 hours between games for the last three weeks, basically, so... Which actually, I remember one of the guys on our fan cam said that was Thomas Broach's favourite schedule, though, all play, no train. <laughs> but um, yeah, team news. So in the 24 hours before kickoff, the Raw lost uh, Thomas Christensen and Brandon Borello, and in came Joe Coletti and Manuel Arana. And I actually thought Arana probably had one of his better showings of the season. Sure. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah. Comparatively, maybe. Yeah, look, in the, grading I, on I a guess, curve. I guess it's a, it's a low bar for, for Arana. Look, you know. It's yeah. Look, he, he was he was involved in both the the goals at the back end of the game, but I thought you know, he was he's a lot below par than what we expected for a player that's you know on a visa that's a visa player. I think he sort of I think patience is starting to wear very very thin with the, with the supporters about what what we expect him to be to what he's actually performing at the moment. He's made eighteen appearances now, James. Yeah, I'm just wondering if we put those eighteen games in someone like Shannon Brady, where he would have got to. I mean, I can't see him being much worse than Arana. Yeah, I actually think you got a point there, but I do think. You know, considering the curve of what he's done yeah. throughout the season, it was one of his better performances. And we performances. did mention last week's squad balance and 
essentially ill balance at the back. I mean, so anyway, we've talked about this before. Yes. And Thomas Christensen, he appeared to be limping off in the Urua game. So are you surprised he missed this one? Ulsan game. Ulsan. <laughs> Who played Urua? The Wanderers. There we and go. they got thrashed. Yeah. Just had to, had to get that in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can yeah. really talk too much about a champion. No, but I do think that with Christensen made that, sense to leave him that, out. Are you confused with that, their video that I posted on, uh, on the Raw Review on Saturday? Yeah, that's probably yeah. it. Yeah. With Christensen, though, it does make sense to rest him. I mean, we've got now a week and a half off, so just let him and Brandon Brolly get fully ready for the game against Cashman, which we do have to win, really. Um, we'll have to get something anyway. And while there was, while there is obviously a drop-off between Christensen and Coletti, I feel like Coletti's actually held his own throughout the games that he's played so far. I think it's telling that it's Coletti starting these games now, not Pepper. A few months ago, it was the other way around. That's right. Okay, so let's get on to the incidents in the game. The first one that really popped up and was controversial was Corey Brown giving away a penalty against Alexander Coco. I honestly thought it was a like a clear penalty. Brown slid in his trailing leg, took out Coco's shooting leg. Adam? Look, on first look, and I guess on the referee's look, yeah, look, it looked a stonewall penalty. You know, it, but then when you look at the replays, you, know, you can see actually it's Coco's leg that's actually the one that's actually contacted with Brown. So... What like I guess at the end we we play to the first side and I I got no problem with the penalty but the the one thing that sort of is in my mind especially looking down past a month's time is this the sort of incident that could be potentially overturned by the video assistant referee because it looked in the end of the day that you now it was you know initi- contact initiated by the attacker and he's gone down so I'm not saying that it, it would have occurred but it's something you know, is it in the realms that you know it's a possibility and that that's Looking at it from first look, it's something that's, you know, that could really change the game. It possibly could be one of those ones. I think that comes in round 26, the review system thing. But I mentioned this last week. It was only clear what happened after you saw all the different Fox camera replays. The only one that mattered yesterday was what the referee saw. And I think it was very similar to the grand final when we played Perth, when Liam Miller slid into Bessart Borussia. Yep. It looked like a penalty from yep. that view, so he gives it. Yep. It, i got no problems with that being given. No, yeah, I, I honestly think it was, for me, it was a penalty because... Again, use to flip the script argument. If that had have been, say, Lachlan Jackson sliding in on Jamie McLaren and clearing out his shooting leg... You'd be calling for the penalty. Yep. Yeah, we'd Absolutely. all be up in arms. And, you know, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, it was never a penalty. But to me, that just says that the rules about what is and isn't a foul are clearly are not clear enough for a lot for your average fan to understand. Because if you're going to take out the shooting leg like that, yeah, okay, Coco clearly initiated a lot of the contact, mm-hmm. but... Brown still put himself in that position, and I honestly thought he was a little bit panicked when he did try to slide in and make that desperation challenge. I do think those times where this was this would be a decision that would be reviewed by the the video review thing. It w- even if it wasn't overturned, it'd be one that have a good look. Absolutely, at. Absolutely, yeah. And that's the one thing I'm not going to because at the end day the the game the, our game at the moment the football is actually ruled by the first look and what the referee sees. And from the first look, watch it on TV live. I thought penalty, but yeah. then when you see when Fox runs 35 replays in 10 different angles, all of a sudden, you, you know, you start looking and it's, you change your mind on it. And that's the fear about the v, the VAR is that w- whether they will change because of the benefit of seeing multiple yeah. replays. But isn't that what a VAR is supposed well, to be able well, to do? We yeah. don't want the actual referee to be shy of making a decision, mm. though, because of the potential being overturned by the video re- video review thing. You want them to be able to be strong to make a decision when they we, see, we see it. That, we see that a lot in cricket now, where an umpire is afraid to give an LBW because of the fear of being overturned by DRS. So we And I would hate to think that the, that the sport is going to go down that path. And we don't want the halves going from, you know, 46, 47 minutes to 54, mm. 55 because you're always reviewing certain things. 
The one thing that I will point out is Andy Harper was his ever-observant self by saying there was no contact whatsoever. <laughs> oh, dear. And Mark Cocker was also very observant. Mm. Yeah, I... It's the worst commentary team I can imagine. Uh, see, I like Mike Cockrell. I think he's really good when it comes to broadcasting. He's got a good voice yeah. and he really can convey the moment. But... He just needs to keep his opinions to himself, I think. Well, that's... Yeah. yeah. And actually call the call the play-by-play rather than... Yeah. But I like... Uh, but yeah, it does kind of seem like it was a game where the two of them were thinking, can we just get to our weekend now, please? <laughs> but yeah, uh, there was more refereeing issues coming up soon with the double yellow send-off for Jason Hoffman inside half an hour. The first one came for Descent. I believe it was kicking the ball away. No, he, he picked it up and he punched it and it went yeah. away. Well, that's because he thought he was playing Aussie rules, so that clearly deserves a yellow <laughs> card. And then the second one was he obstructed, was it Arana, actually? It was Arana, it was obstruction. Yeah. It and was really, really soft in truth, but you've just been given a yellow card. And for those of you that haven't seen it, which I'm guessing would be very few of you, he put his arms out like he was, you know, Kate Winslet on the Titanic. <laughs> that's a good example. But... I think it slightly brushed Arana's like face oh, yeah. as well. I think the contact on Arana's face was minimal, and Arana did clearly make the most of it. Yeah, but, that, that, that concerns me, that, but we've, we've spoken that before. But, anyway. but in that same regard, also, how stupid are you as a defender to stick your arms out like that and try and put yourself in that position when you know referees have been clamping down on any sort of contact yeah. with the head lately? And you've just been booked. The only argument you can make in Hoffman's defense is maybe Jared Gillette as a senior referee can say, look, just calm down. You've just got a yellow card. This is your absolute last warning. Yeah. I'm not going to send you off, but that's... The next stupid foul But is... if he saw contact to the face, again, he only gets one look at it, the referee. Yeah. Mm, and that's... he might have saw contact to the face. That's the yellow card offence. And I'll tell you what, some of the reactions from Newcastle fans... It, I thought Perth had big conspiracy theorists there. <laughs> but uh, They yeah. do. They do, by the way. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm just pointing out Newcastle will ha- have their own uh, share of it. Overall, Mar- and that actually led to Mark yeah. Jones getting dismissed. Yeah, he and proper lost it, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. Which was actually quite fun to yeah. see. As soon as, soon as, as soon as the um, the assistant referee went to went to Joe Gillette and then he went to the fourth first, you, you knew yeah. Mark Jones, goodbye. You're you're going for the stands. But I and I will point out that once again another week of our oh, A League referees are the worst in the world. Try mm. watching a few other sports oh, as well. Oh, I watched <laughs> the game on Saturday night that proper that I almost lost it out as well. A particular Premier League game that was on free to air television on Saturday night. Yeah, I didn't watch the Premier League this weekend. Okay. It was too painful no, with Liverpool jet, and Arsenal. Jet lag did me in, so... But, well, I, well, okay, just to sort of go yeah. off on a little tangent, like, we were having a discussion in our group conversation while I was watching the Reds on Thursday night, and I was getting really frustrated with that yeah. there. But it's just... For me, it feels yes. like... I do kind of wonder if these players are getting too big, too fast for one official to have a proper thing of it. But then I look at the NFL where they've got seven on-field officials. And well, in Europe, they do feel the Champions League games do have referees on the goal line. I don't know what a goal line referee would have been able to see in terms of the second Hoffman yellow card, and even if he'd be able to rule on it because it wasn't in the penalty area. So, But they do have that extra official there. Maybe that's something that you could look at. But again, this is the A-League and it's cost prohibitive and all the rest of it. So, But, well, and the point I was just saying is, you know, with the NFL, you've got seven on-field officials and they still get calls they wrong. They take five minutes to get things right anyway. Well, and they don't always do that. So. You know, how much, he, how much is having that extra set of eyes really going to help? All right, so... There's more controversy as well because of the raw penalty in the second half. We'll, we'll get to that soon, but the first goal, what, what did you think of that? For the raw? Yeah, for the raw. I can't remember the first goal, to be honest. Adam. This is so bad. I can't remember it. Hang on, I'm trying to remember in my mind. It was the penalty. Yeah. Oh, what? I just talked about it. <laughs> you confused me then. I know, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Don't oh, do that. Oh, it's so please. easy. <laughs> you can't remember. It was the pen. <laughs> So, Thomas Broach got pulled down in the area, wasn't it? Yeah, he got 
got yeah. dragged down by the arm. It was a clear penalty. Yep. Mm. And that was just after Gillette had actually gone and warned Newcastle about pulling on the shirt. Yep. And they were trying to, you know, rip the shirt off Broich's back before the ball even came in. And then pulled down on his arm, and yet, once again, it's conspiracy it, against Newcastle. Yeah, it wasn't even shirt pulling, it was an arm pull yeah. down. I, I, I couldn't, I cannot believe that you know, people could say how there'd be any doubt in that. Like I said, if it happens at the other end, they're screaming blue motor. So, yeah. It's... What I can't believe is the referee took a good couple of seconds to give it. That's what I couldn't believe. He thought about it for a couple of seconds, then he pointed to the Maybe spot. he had to find his whistle. Maybe. But the other thing for that is also, you know, it was nice to see someone attacking Broach's arm instead of his ankles for once. <laughs> <laughs> And Jamie McLaren stepped up and I thought handled himself really well and buried the chance. He's done very well with penalties this year. I remember he missed one last year at home. I can't remember who it was against, but he missed one. He got the tap in as a follow-up. That's right, yeah. But he's done really well with penalties. Knock on wood, he keeps that going. But it's good to see we're converting chances when we get them. But speaking of Jamie McLaren, he got a second goal as well. He was able to pounce on a rebound from an Arana shot. But I thought, again... Much like the last few weeks, he's making all the right runs now, and he's getting himself in good position. I actually thought I think you got to give him more credit than what he's actually been given for. It was, I think, a very, very good goal. Like I think to stay to stay on side because a lot of those goals where it's it's a shot from sort of you now from twenty twenty five yards out, which are parried by the keepers. A lot of a lot of the time they're ruled offside because the striker just can't help themselves and actually gets in front. So he's actually done well tonight. He's done the last man for that amount of time, but then also to you know, they quickly sort of tap it in. Sort of in one motion. So I think it's really, it was a really, really good goal, in my opinion. Yeah, they're often either offside or they're on their mm. heels and they're not able yeah. to get there in time. So it was really well timed. Or they do panic and wind up skying it over yeah. the bar. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so it's a, a good, good quality strike for, you know, obviously one of the best strikers in the league. Is that 14 goals this year now? It, I know, it, it just doesn't feel like it because there's so many penalties. But... And, but, and also, I suppose, with the number of chances he's created, yeah. it feels like he could be on more, but he also mm. it so also doesn't feel like he's actually made 14. The narrative around him as well with is he staying, is he going, is he mm. in form, out of form, it just... It's kind of got lost a little bit, the amount of goals he has scored this year. Mm. And he wasn't happy when he got subbed off right at the end, was he? No, he, no, he was, was pretty proper lost. And I don't think his mood improved much either about 30 seconds later when a clear chance popped up for his replacement. Nick D'Agostino and Scott. Yeah. I've got a, I've got that a, was Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Scott is probably Nick D'Agostino's yeah. biggest fan that's not a family member. So. I'm a fan of young players getting a chance, James, yeah. and that's what it is. And I'm, I'm glad he actually did get his chance to score the goal because it'll be, do him the world of good. Yeah. Any that's chance what, he's been, that's what he's been lacking, really, in his game is putting the chance away, and I hope he kicks on from here now that he's got his first goal out the way. You could see his reaction. There was a lot of, re- re- was a lot was of relief on his face, yeah. not excitement. All right, so we're going to move on to Avram Papadopoulos. Had to pause for a second to get his first name right. And he got it first time. He got it first yep. time. There's no editing there. Just don't ask me about Nathan K. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. Syllables. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so he got his first start. I thought he had a nice little edge of aggression to him. He was sliding in all over the place and... He's got a decent boot on him as well. He's a very different defender than anything we've seen from the Raw in the last six or seven years. Really. All the defenders have had have been really good on the ball, etc. But not that he's not, but he's just a big, strong guy who gets his foot stuck in. I think it's it's interesting to see how this is going to pan out. He's a, he, he looks a typical you know, European centre-back. Now, yeah. That's something I think in the league in general with that. Like we saw it with Del Pierre. We see it now, now with Barrow and... Um, Boys at Sydney, I think it's a different sort of type of defender to what we breed here in Australia, which are sort of more mobile. So, and if we do look ahead, we probably might look ahead to the, the end of the season in later segment. But you look at some of the centre forwards in the league, Bobo, for example, he's a perfect matchup on a, on someone like that to put on one on one. Someone who can actually, yeah, get yeah. up there, match and... that physicality, yeah. which I don't think North and Luke Devere really have. A, but not that it's a knock on them; it's just they're different sorts yeah. of defenders. Yeah, although I have to admit they've held out against Bobo quite well, yeah. the two of them, but. 
Look, you can never have too many options, I feel no. like, going into this part of the season, especially with the Champions League. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, do you reckon Thomas Broad should have been on earlier? You can make the... I thought he could have come on at halftime because the, um, when the send-off happened in the... Was it 37th minute? 31st, I think. Yeah, I think the crowd got into it from then for Newcastle and we struggled to create many chances at that point. I think the second half, obviously, Alice said something to them to get it... Because we got far, far more possession second half and it started to open up. We were... When we got the penalty, it was coming. It wasn't out of nowhere. This is three points that the team needs. Yeah. Like, go out and go get it. Particularly given the results earlier in the round with Perth dropping points. Well, why don't we get on to those other results right now? Mm. All right, so we've got Sydney FC against Melbourne victory. It was a very, very wet game. I enjoyed scrolling around some of the uh, channels on Friday night. Did and just you see this, Adam, or were you absolutely out of it after your flight? <laughs> <laughs> I was going this game wouldn't have done much for you for a sleep anyway because it wasn't the most exciting game in truth. It was tense. It was mildly tense, and when Sydney scored, you just knew it was over. Yep. And I think that's the one thing, well, we've said it before and we'll say it again, Graham Arnold is an expert at finding a way to shut up yeah. shop and grind out a 1-0 win. Only thing saying victory defences, they did have a couple of chances they should have done better with, but in the end of that, they didn't do enough. And are the we, Premiership are we race is gone. Are we in this room, we're declaring Premiership played over, I'd say? It might be over this yeah. week. There's ele- there are 11 points clear with 15 points to play for. So if victory drop points this weekend yeah. and they win, it's over. Which, as Raw fans, we'd almost have to be hoping the victory drop points so that... Yeah, I want them a... out of it before we play them in a couple mm. of weeks. I want victory out of the race officially before we play them because then they might start dropping off. Yeah, you know. starting focusing on the finals more. Well, I'd say first and foremost, I want the victory dropping points. And yeah. like, if that means conceding the Premier's plate to Sydney, so be it. Yep. All right, so Wellington 3, Perth 3. I was at Logan during this game, so... Well, I didn't see this game all the next game because I was up at Redcliffe watching another game, so I've got a clue. I missed this game as well. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually go and watch the highlights, so I no, thought but it was, I was a very entertaining game. I did game. see Diego oh, Castro's goal. I was, goal. I was at lawn bowling. <laughs> so, no, I did see Diego Castro's free kick goal, whatever it was from the sideline. That was really well taken. Well, looking at this from a whole league perspective, who does this result hurt more? Wellington in their pursuit of the finals race or Perth in their pursuit of a home first round final? I think the top four is still in Perth's hands to some extent because they obviously play the Raw towards the end of the season. I think they also play Melbourne City. So they still have an opportunity to cement their own destiny. I think it hurts Wellington. This is a home game. They would have looked at Perth a big trip. They would have said, This is three points for us here. and Given, I suppose, the fact that Central Coast, the Wanderers, and Newcastle all drop points, they've escaped, but this was an opportunity for them, but they've missed. And, you know, you know the reason Perth actually had to make a rare trip away from home? What's this? Justin Bieber. Is that right? Yeah, it's the reason that the Western Force had to play on Thursday night, because Bieber and his people... Do you want to explain this Perth rare away trip thing one day, or are you just going to let it go? I'm just going to let it go until someone asks about it. (laughs) I thought that was supposed to be an off-air discussion that you've now brought on air, so thank you very much for that. That's (laughs) fine. All right, so move on to West Sydney Wanderers against Adelaide. Wanderers wrongly denied a goal. Any sympathy for them? Adam's reaction to when I asked him about Sydney and Melbourne, that's my reaction to this game. There, yeah. were no, there weren't any highlights in this game to speak about, really. Two, yeah. it, it sounded like two teams that just, just come back from Asia and really couldn't be bothered. That's why it sounds but... but I suppose for the Wanderers, it doesn't actually hurt them as much as it could have, considering... Yeah, they're like... still in the six, but... Mm. I think for I think for them they didn't lose. And I think that's probably if there's a very little um thing they can take out of it, it is 
Yeah, they didn't lose. They're still winless at this new home stadium of theirs, though. That's unbelievable. That's kind of funny. All right, so we're going to move on to the early Sunday game, or the regular Sunday game, which was Mariners against City. City got up 3-2. to two. I did watch this game. I can't believe the Mariners didn't get anything out of this game. Well, I think they can put a lot of the blame squarely on Paul Izzo, who decided to crash tackle well, Bruno Fornaroli clear I on goal. That's part of it, but... I not believe that. The second goal for Melbourne City, I mean, the Mariners should have had a stonewall penalty at the other end. For one, and it goes straight down the other end, and it's an unlucky own goal, two 0 and they created a lot. Central Coast Mariners, in truth, that's why I'm so I'm disappointed for them. They didn't get anything out of this game because they really did deserve it. I, I'm actually I'm actually now like you, you know I was fairly critical of Paul Ocon at the start of the season. I'm actually starting to feel sorry for him because if the Mariners actually put 90 minutes together without a couple of brain explosions, yeah. they're actually going to be a decent club. I think. I think next season they, they they recruit well. I think they might be sort of you know at the bottom end of the six. You know, it's just under his under his so guidance. Well, they're already in that bottom group. Yeah. So they might just be at the yeah. top of that next. Yeah, group. that's what I mean. Yeah. So Adam's point. He's he's converted Liam Rose from a centre midfielder to a centre back ball playing, and that's worked really well for them. And look, they what they're lacking is a tiny bit of experience scattered mm-hmm. through that team. I mean, Tavares and Fatih, Obviously, they weren't his signings. It was done before he got there. They haven't worked. I think it's already confirmed they're going. If they can get that right. <laughs> They've got to keep hold of O'Donovan as well. That's the other thing mm. for them. They, if they lose O'Donovan, they, they need a striker. So, But I suppose you'd almost have to think Paul O'Con, with the way he's going right now, he would be able to find, even if it is just a young striker. Also, they're probably in a goalkeeper because Izzo's... I don't mind Paul Izzo. He's just got that big brain explosion in him every now and again and it costs you as it did mm. yesterday. I think so. just on that striker thing as well, like, so they've, got, they've got two very, very good wing, good young wingers, obviously in, in Connor Payne and Trent Bahaja. So I think... Losing O'Donovan will probably be a really big thing, but they're just going to need an out-and-out South Australia poacher. And I think it's a, that might be the key of them going forward. Well, you never know. Uh, maybe you'll be able to find one in the NPL Queensland. That's a a couple out there. yeah. And that's what we call a tease for segment two. We'll be back right after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.